welcome back to 64, a chess podcast. I am David coming at you live from Copenhagen, Denmark. My guest today is the famous Twitter legend, tournament organizer. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Dodgy himself. Welcome to the show. Hi, David. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, looking forward to this. You're the you're the first uh, now. Is am I allowed to reveal that you are Swedish? Is that uh is that permissible to for me to say? Um, you can if you want, but I'm not Swedish. So but uh, you're living in, in. Are you living in? Are you living? Yeah, in yeah. I, li- I live in Sweden, but I'm Scottish. Oh, um, you're Scottish. Okay. Yeah. I see. Why Sweden? That is a difficult question, and like most of the things I'm gonna get asked, it started off as a joke. Um, we, <laughs> we very much just, uh, stumbled into it. Like, uh, we were looking at buying a house in England. Uh, well, my wife is English and we were kind of just, we weren't ready to buy a house yet. So we were just kind of like window shopping and we were digging around and stuff, looking at us and for some some reason, maybe it was like a property program on TV or something. We we saw some houses in Sweden and they looked like, you know, they're nice. So you can get in terms of like the size you can get for your money. It looks like much bigger than things in England. Um, so we dug a little deeper and we ended up kind of buying a house over the Internet without actually seeing it, which was, yeah, maybe not the smartest decision. <laughs> But we we did that, and then we came over for a holiday. We liked it, and we just decided to stay. That's crazy because you know, I for some reason I thought you were Swedish because I've had I've had a Danish guy on the show. I've had Norwegians, so you know I could I I thought that maybe today I'd be completing Scandinavia um, on the podcast, but I guess it's not meant to be. I mean, do you speak any Swedish? Have, how long have you been there? <laughs> yeah, I've been here six years, and I speak very little Swedish. <laughs> It's the tough languages. Uh, the Scandinavian languages are very, uh, very hard. I think. Yeah, and they all speak English as well. So, like, they have no, no time for me to fumble through my mangled Swedish um, because they all speak like perfect English. So, it's very difficult to get any practice. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, you don't really need to. So, yeah, it can. It's See, somewhat unnecessary. You're a quite enigmatic figure um, on chess Twitter. And I guess the first thing I really wanted to ask you um, is, uh, like, what does the average day in Mr. Dodgy's life look like? Is it just, you know, 20 hours of Twitter and then two hours of potatoes and a quick nap and rinse repeat? Um, I'm a lot busier than I managed to portray on Twitter. Um, I'll kind of, I get up in the morning and I usually whatever nonsense has popped into my head while I'm asleep, I'll just tweet immediately, which is not necessary. Like in terms of um, like being smart about social media and, you know, working the algorithm and stuff like that, that is not the thing you should do because like first thing in the morning is not when people go on Twitter to read stuff. So you like, you know, the algorithm will not reward you. <laughs> um, but I do that anyway. Um, and then I, you know, wake up, take my son to school uh, I have an office where I sit and pretend to work during the day. Um, and then I managed to convince Chessable that I've done an entire day's work and go home and chill for the rest of the day. So you, you have a son. So is would you say that your son is the uh, the Ali Reza of um, sons of chess influencers? 
Yeah, definitely. Like maybe so maybe he's the Magnus at this point. Like he's, you know, there's the gonna there's gonna be a lot of those uh, Ali Reza of, uh, you know, that that's become a real meme on uh, on chess Twitter. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, definitely a lot of people are getting annoyed with it. Um, but my the more people get annoyed with it and bored and find it repetitive, the more I'm determined to like double down and like I'm gonna I've been using it more and more until I guess people will start unfollowing me at some point because. I've overused it but like i feel like we got to the point where it was overused about six months ago <laughs> and then yeah. i'm not gonna slow down <laughs> but i would also add that um i think chess twitter is uh i mean chess fans in general they're kind of known for overdoing the jokes a little bit you know like the i think we have we've had like two years of the same unpassant jokes on uh online and uh i think that's just what we're known for so i see this uh this ali reza you know ali reza a little bit I, th- I see it. I think it's going to have some extraordinary longevity, at least until the candidates and more. Yeah, I mean, once he once he becomes world champion, which I don't think is inevitable, but I think the odds are in his favor at the moment. That maybe it's going to be difficult for. Well, it's going to be difficult, otherwise, or or it will just be you know, that's what we say for anyone who's good at anything for forever because. Like I think Ali Reza could be, you know, the kind of generational talent that is the next Magnus or Kasparov and just, you know, stays at the top for 20 years. So but yeah, it could definitely <laughs> it could definitely stick around for a very long time. I'm gonna be asking a couple of my upcoming guests the same question, but I'm curious what you think. Um, do you really think that Magnus is not going to play the next world championship? Uh no. I believe he will play. Like if I have to like I made a joke uh, a couple of weeks ago that he should record a video series and like say which candidates he w- he is willing to play and which he won't. Which I mean, obviously he's not going to do that because he would be pretty rude to the people that he doesn't want to play. Um, but I think the I think he will definitely play Alareza. I can't imagine him not playing Hikaru. I think. Fabian Ding, there's a possibility he... I think those two could go either way. I think he respects them tremendously as players. Um, but I also think he wouldn't... So so he respects them tremendously as players, which means, like, I don't think he would mind a match against either of them because, you know, they're... They are kind of... I think he sees them as people that could potentially beat him in a match on a, on a good day. Um, but I also think that he... In the same respect, he might see them as like worthy world champions. So he might just hand over to either of them. And then I think Duda and Report, I think like for me as a chess fan, those matches would be very exciting. Like I think Magnus is a strong favorite for both of them, which makes it less interesting for him, maybe. But like I think everybody would enjoy a report world championship match. Um, and then the last two are Rajabov and who did I miss? Circuit Karyakin. Oh, well, Karyakin's that. Yeah, I don't think he'll play. I don't think he'll play Karyakin anyway. Yeah, no, I think uh, not Karyakin. And I'm not sure about Rajabo. Like, I don't. I don't no, know. Ding replaced Karyakin, no? Yeah, Ding replaced. I, I was like just, I, I was just memeing. Yeah, yeah, I think you did. Uh, I mean, we no, have to definitely Nepo, 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 Nepo. Yeah, okay. On yeah. Nepo, I don't think he'll play again. No. Like, if Nepo wins, I think he's like, okay. I don't think he enjoyed that much too much. 
I, um, I, I don't think either of them enjoyed the match. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I guess Napoli enjoyed it less. Um, but yeah, out of the out of Napoli, Fabi and Karyakin, I think maybe he would play another match against Fabi, but I think it's unlikely. Like, I don't think that interesting too much. What do you think about the candidates in general this year? Like, like, do you think that they're like, like, I guess, who are you rooting for? And like, what, what do you make of like the, because it's not as clear to me. Like, I remember with the last one, we kind of had all this stuff with COVID and, you know, Maxime in the lead and all, we had all these kind of interesting narratives. And this year, I mean, there's obviously a lot of narratives you can make, but uh, it, it does seem a little more timid to me. Um, I think that will, I think things will heat up as we get closer to it. There's still kind of a couple of months to go. Um, but I think this is a very exciting field. Um, and I think even the more solid players like Rajabov, I think he will take this tremendously seriously. And I think he definitely wants to win this tournament. Like, I think when he withdrew from the candidates, the previous candidates because of COVID, I think there was some, uh, some people thought maybe he didn't want to play. Like, because uh, he had a, had a very bad experience at the candidates before, but I think he finished last. And then his form just kind of didn't, didn't recover after that. But in the interviews after that candidate, so like when the candidates got postponed, he was incredibly angry and he was like really kind of fired up and like, and he'd hired like Karyakin to be a second, I think, and someone else. So like, to me, that's someone who's taken it very serious and he's probably the most solid player in the field. And like, he was super fired up. Whereas like the other guys, you know, you have Duda, you have Report and the Pomniashi and Fabi and Ding and Alireza. Like these are all very exciting players to me. So I think this is going to be like, has the potential to be a real bloodbath. I also think you have a lot of first timers to this thing too. Like, like, uh, and I think that's really what makes it the most interesting. Like, in a way, I feel like the last ten years of the candidates, with exception of maybe you know Boris and Vichy and some of them, you've for the most part have seen basically the same faces in the candidates. Um, like, you know, you'll have one or two, but right now I think if you look at the field, right, you have like due to rapport Ali Reza that's already three out of eight people is like completely new to this thing and then like yeah Rajab only played one candidate Sikaru only played one candidate uh you have the last two like world chess championship challengers so I I think it I think it's a really like cool field um I I'm wondering also like who are you rooting for anybody specific or or are you just kind of rooting for just like a, a good like a worthy competitor um mostly I want to see Magnus defend his title so um somewhat biased towards an Ali Reza match. Uh, I think from, like, I think an Ali Reza match will be the most exciting because I think if he does win the candidates, then it's not that clear if Magnus is even the favorite. If, you know, if Ali Reza scores like plus five from the candidates, then this is like as close to a 50-50 match maybe as as we've seen. Um, but I think like a Hikaru match would be the best thing for chess in general. Like, I agree completely. I've said this um, on the podcast. I think, uh, I think Magnus probably would kind of crush him. <laughs> um, their, their head-to-head score just doesn't favor Hikari. And like, I think that is mostly a stylistic thing. Um, I think their styles just, 
Hikari just comes up against the wall with him. And because when you look at like the when they play in the same tournaments, like the I think it was the World Blitz when they played the tiebreak. Um, you know, when it comes up to them playing against the field, like they're scoring more or less the same. So, but then in the tiebreaks again, you know, Magnus is just better. And the head to score, head to head score is not great for Hikaru, but like, yeah, in terms of like a second chess boom, that's you know, that's where we get it. Um, because all of these Twitch streamers will be following the match and but I think it will be tough for Hikaru to to win the candidates, I think, with no no rapid games in as part of the kind of part of the system, I think it's gonna be I don't think he's the favorite for sure. I think like in the Grand Prix too, I mean, if, if he has the same opening troubles that he had at the Grand Prix, he has no chance. I mean, it, it was remarkable. I remember one commentator was saying, I don't remember, I don't remember if this was on Chess24 or Chess.com, but one of the commentators was like, at some point, like, oh, he's he's playing so well, like in these lost positions. Imagine how he'd play if he just had like normal opening positions, <laughs> you know, because he's finding all these resources. So, but I mean, you know, I, I've, uh, as many people on podcast know, I mean, I've been watching Kikaru basically since I started playing chess and he's not streaming for half the week. I'm really surprised because I remember he was saying back when the Grand Prix was happening, oh yeah, even if I win and I, I make it to the candidates, I'll still stream every day. And now if you look at his stream schedule, it's like real candidates prep, real candidates prep, real candidates prep, like three days a week. He plays like Title Tuesday and Arena Kings. That's basically it. And he's actually working hard, which I think is, is actually kind of hard to do when you're like, uh, you know, his money is streaming. So like, that's, I mean, I, I guess he is taking it seriously. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he was like worried about how his opening play was going. Um, but I, I think it's really exciting. I mean, I, I like my the only thing I'm upset about is that I'm leaving Europe right as as the candidates are probably going to heat up midway through the candidates. So I mean, if I could like somehow make it to Madrid at some point, that would be so hype. But um, it's not looking like it'll happen, unfortunately. So I mean, I'll have to watch from my my little um, home in America instead. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be really exciting. I, I think like Hikaru is saying that he doesn't care and. Like he's not really bothered about. It. I think to the, to some extent he's just like uh, this is just a coping mechanism for him. Like he's just relieved all the pressure and like that's working for him. Like with with going into these tournaments with him putting no pressure on himself, he's you know he's winning them. Um, and I I think he will work incredibly hard to get ready for it. And I think in general, like I think his preparation recently has not been great, but the few years before that has been rock solid. Like with black, he is like, people are just getting nothing against him a lot of the time. And he's making, you know, he's giving himself chances with white. So I think I like, I don't think he'll put too much pressure on him. I think he'll play well, but like, I think in that field, like this, if it was the same kind of field, the same kind of format, sorry, not field, uh, the same kind of format as like the Grand Prix, I would put him close to being the favorite. Um, because once rapid chess enters the mix, then it's a diff- completely different ballgame. Um, yeah, it's disgusting. It's it's just it's it's gross. How um, I, I I don't know, man. Like like watching like the one thing you know. Obviously, I'm sponsored by Chessable. You work for Chessable. And, uh, you know, I have some friends who work at chess.com and there is obviously, you know, there's this like, you know, rivalry and corporate, you know, competitiveness. 
I really do wish that we would have like a proper like I think Gotham Chess tweeted about this, but I I've I've wanted this for so long. Just like a proper we got a taste of this, I guess, in this like Lee Chess like crypto tournament. But like I really wish that there was just like, you know, Magnus Hikaru like online like just like that August twenty twenty event, just like three O Blitz, Deathmatch, hundred games, like just just marathon. Like that would just say who's who's the undisputed like you know, King of Blitz online. I mean I, I would like I wish that there was some sponsor work. and that's also why I'm kind of rooting for a Magnus Hikaru match even if I was like biggest Hikaru hater in the world like I think that maybe we'll finally have like a bigger prize fund for the for like I could actually see like real like real like non you know Russian oligarchic companies come in and say hey I want to sponsor this match like with, with that sort of thing I, I could really see that happening so like objectively speaking I think that would be good for chess but yeah I mean those two guys, Magnus and Hikaru, when it comes to like rapid and blitz, and it's just it's scary, like how how strong their intuition is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but also, like I think at this point, Ali Reza is very close to to both of them, and I think I hope he plays a little bit more this year because he's just kind of he's very like he played didn't play for six months, but even before that, he only played two tournaments, and then before that, it was another six month break or something similar um so i hope he plays a bit more this year but yeah i think we're already at, at a point where kind of he's very very close to right to that level and also like the the next generation is coming through as well which i think this year and next year is when there's going to be like a big breakthrough with a bunch of new 2700 like i think there'll be a bunch of new 2700s this year and i think next year like maybe half of the top 10 might be completely different that would be, that's that's optimistic uh projection but I, yeah i mean if you look at some guys like arjun or guys for example like yeah i could definitely see him like smash through into like the top 15 top 20 the next year or two i could definitely see that happening i mean you know you could even say that they are the ali Reza's of um chess prodigies born after the year 2004 yeah i think other is still the other Reza of prodigies like i think he's still young enough we kind of forget that he's only 18 as well. <laughs> That's what I was just about to say too. Like <laughs> the fact that he's like bunkered down over the last year to just basically, you know, prepare for the candidates basically, you know, like ever since he like qualified, like we haven't barely seen him like at all. Like he plays with some events, but he's basically just been do probably doing prep. And I guess possibly, I don't know what his schooling situation is. I imagine he's doing some sort of schooling to some degree, but like basically the fact that he's like basically bunkered down at 18 years old is like, kind of remarkable yeah and he's working incredibly hard and he's you know i did hear a rumor that he was working with someone who's very very strong so which i definitely can't reveal but <laughs> like it's a sign that he is taking this kind of these kind of tournaments super serious like he's you know hiring the best people money can buy so he's working with mr dodgy uh not yet i've tried but he doesn't he hasn't reached out. He hasn't followed me on Twitter yet. <laughs> I think he only follows his brother. Yeah. Well, you know, it's better than, than following, uh, you know, any literally anyone on Chess Twitter, basically. Um, no, I'm kidding. I love you, Chess Twitter people. Um, you actually, you mentioned something about the uh, the chess boom, you know, that we'd have like a second chess boom in, under, you know, a certain magazine car match. You know, there's all this discourse about this thing. Has the chess boom died? I'm wondering what do you think about the chess boom in general? I think we can all agree that that it quote unquote died, but do you care? Does it matter? 
Uh, I, I don't care a little bit. <laughs> like, I really don't care. I literally don't. Don't care. There you go. Um, yeah. I, I think it's... I don't think the, the Twitch part of it was ever sustainable and was ever real. Um, because those numbers were padded out by uh, the kind of Twitch uh, meta, where like chess was just what the meta was, and like at this point we're we're discussing the death of chess, like it's you know, it was the death of Among Us or the death of Hot Top Streams or whatever like the latest trend is on Twitch, and it's like chess has always been bigger than Twitch, but also and like happens in other places, but also like I think the the number of chess games that are being played is still like way up and chess has always had booms where like it goes kind of ebbs and flows um i think the vast majority of those numbers on twitch were just like people watching like uh, variety streamers like xqc or ludwig or people like that and that was never gonna trans like they were never gonna go to tournaments they were never gonna buy chess books it was just like it was just people watching their favorite streamer and that it's great that chess was a part of that but like i don't think it was ever gonna go beyond that for a very significant chunk of that audience um but like even if we keep like five or ten percent of the audience then okay we're better we're in a better place than we were like two years ago so, yeah no 100 yeah, it's great I also, um, I would like to add also a lot, a lot of my friends who are, are not chess players, I mean, they know who Magnus Carlsen is now. You know, they would not have known like before the chess boom. So I think definitely that like the fact that chess is even somewhat like in, you know, mainstream culture or mainstream thought, like to a degree that it wasn't two years ago is, is just a good thing. Like it will always mean that you could have something like that again. For me, like I think what, is upsetting to me and uh i mean i'm gonna have some very anti-fide guests coming on my show in the next few weeks so i'm I'm not gonna really i'll save that talk for some others but um spoilers anyway um i think that what's upsetting to me is that it didn't feel like at the top level like obviously you know the chess companies made a ton of bank chessable you know sold a ton of courses chess.com got all their you know premium memberships and then you know with this new verified thing so you know People made bank like from the chess sites, let's say. Um, but FIDE, what what was the prize fund in in Dubai this year? It was still like some, like two million dollars or so. Like that hasn't changed. You would imagine that after having like basically ten times interest in in chess, like you would imagine that something would change, and nothing did. And that that you know some people may say, oh, but well, why do people need more money? Like like why does the world champion need to make more money? Well, because that trickles down. I mean, if, if, if no, not to be, you know, a Reaganonomist or whatever, but like, I don't, you know, I'm not saying like trickle down economics sense, but like quite literally, like if the top tournaments have these great sponsors, then smaller sponsors will come to the next tier and stuff like that. And then you have a better hierarchy and you make it easier for people like at the IM level and the FM level, like 20 years down the line to actually make a living like in tennis, like that. So that, that's kind of something that I, I, I really lament and i don't i think that they've completely lost momentum like they're not going to have that opportunity probably for another decade yeah it's it's difficult to say like where the next next boom will come from but i think um yeah i i, I do agree that fide didn't exploit it in maybe the best way i think 
like a big obviously a big part of the chess boom and i think like this is why this chess this boom has gone on kind of longer than others is that we had the twitch thing we had the pandemic where everyone was stuck at home with nothing to do and we also had the queen's gambit and the queen's gambit is something that like feed eight didn't exploit at all and i think that was the saddest thing about them announcing the the sponsorship of this breast Body implant one. company uh, it was because, like, that out of the Queen's Gambit boom, that was the best they could do. And, like, I think the Queen's Gambit, as like a TV show, it showed like completely different values. And, like, she, you know, she was so good at chess because she was obsessed with chess. Like, she was, she was very much just a chess player. And, like, I think they should have really been able to get a lot out of that and yeah unfortunately they didn't and I, I don't know what the reasons for it. like i know that it can be difficult to find sponsors and like it's not it's never that simple but like to to only be able to get a sponsor that a significant amount of women were unhappy with not all women like some women were like okay i get paid this is awesome which is completely reasonable because you know they've got bills to pay but like i feel like they should have done much much more with that yeah, and I don't know when the next like 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 you said, I don't know when the next waves will come. Optimistically, it's when I start streaming. Um, by the way, check me out twitch.tv slash son of chess. Stay tuned um for the summer. Um yeah, so check me out there. Uh also my my Twitch name has like changed like four times like in the last year. So, you know, you might be listening to this as an old episode and I'll have a completely different Twitch name, so too bad. Um if that is the case. And if not, great. Um but yeah, I mean I don't know. Like, I don't see it. I don't see Queen's Gambit two being produced anytime soon. So, no. and I, I kind of hope that they don't. Like, I thought it would be fun to do it, but like, I think it's almost perfect. It's just a standalone mini series that they would mess it up if they did a second series. Um, yeah, 100%. but yeah, it's just such a good piece of storytelling that, like, they, I hope they have the confidence to just leave it there and just say, you know, this is just an excellent piece of art. Yeah, um, yeah, it I ended agree. there. You know, I used to feel like they should have made a second season, but like the longer I think about it, it's like, no, you know, it was perfect. Like it was the whole story was in bubble wrap, compressed, like no, there's no, no real like narrative things like left to explore. So like, don't, don't do the cash grab. And I don't think we need another, like, you know, uh, I just don't think we need more of that. Like, uh, um, how do I say this? The corporate chilling for, you know, that, that doesn't need to be there. I should say. I don't mind corporate shilling. You know, of course, 64 Chess Podcast is sponsored by Chessable, your one-stop shop for all uh, um, chess lessons, tactics training, opening courses, famous books, all on your phone or computer. So check it out, chessable.com slash 64 podcast to learn more. That was like the best ad segue I've ever done. That was crazy. Very smooth. Very smooth. I guess on that note, um, I want to, uh, this is a first time thing I'm trying on the podcast. You know, when you have such a, you know, esteemed guest like Mr. Dodgy, um, you want to get the community involved. And, you know, as everyone knows, 64 Chess Podcast is basically the biggest podcast in America right now. Like, you know, we have, what, a million listeners a, a day. So it's pretty crazy. So uh, I wanted to get my community involved. And so we're actually going to be doing, um, drum roll, please. Bada, 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 bada. Question time. That's right. <clears throat> I'm doing question time. So asked a couple of days ago, my Twitter listeners, 
uh, to uh, ask some questions, and we got a bunch. So I picked a couple of my favorites. Are you ready to to enter the uh, the question time uh, portal? Yeah, let's go. I was disappointed with the questions. I think people could have put a lot more effort in, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of these as well, but uh, maybe you've had some time to think about these. And uh, I guess we'll start. There's this guy. His name is Anish Giri. He says, uh, I don't know. Is he a chess player or is he just an influencer? I think I think he's an influencer because he has... Okay. It says he follows me. Wow. I don't know. I've never heard of this guy. Um, anyway, he asked you, um, why chess? Yeah, I saw I saw that question. I thought that was a bit unfair. Um, yeah, why not? I mean, I, I guess like most things, I just I very much stumbled into it. Um, my dad used to play on Yahoo Chess in the early 2000s. Uh, he did teach me to play when I was a kid, but like I was never very interested um but when when he started playing yai chess i used to just see him on the computer and i thought okay this looks like i could do better than him um so like i ended up playing on yahoo for a while and uh for quite a few years before i ever was interested in like going to a club or a tournament or anything like that so i didn't actually go to a chess club until i was like 17 um so i didn't have a rating or anything um but i really enjoyed going to the chess club and like i played my first tournament when i was i was still 17 i think uh i'd been going to the club for about six months so i played like an under 1400 uh tournament and i managed to win that with five out of five and then basically never won a tournament ever again um great uh and then i kind of I think my first rating was around about 1600. I think it's like 1680 or something, which was pretty good like to start off with. Um, but I wasn't... So at the end of my first year, I played uh, in the Scottish Championships. Um, in like not, not the actual championship. It was like, I think it was an under 1800 section. And I was maybe one of the... I don't know. I, I don't remember exactly, but I, I was 1680 and it was under 1800. So I was kind of reasonably near the top. And I still performed like below my rating, like low 1600 performance. And I thought, okay, this, you know, this is not very good. <laughs> so I spent the rest of the summer. Um, I found uh, Michael Delamaza's book, uh, Road to, I can't remember what it's called now, Rapid Chess Improvement, I think. They were the, the tactics thing with the seven circles. And basically, I just studied tactics for the rest of the summer for like six weeks. Um, and like kind of went through CTR and just like locked myself in a room and just studied tactics nonstop for like six weeks. Um, and then the next tournament I played, like I was already around about 2100 level. Wow. Um, I beat like the, the next tournament after that was like my very first open. Uh, I hadn't played an open before. And I, my goal was like to win one game. Like I figured I was like 1680. If I win one game, then I'll be performing more or less about my reign. Um, and I ended up on like three out of five with like a 2150 performance reign. And then I kind of more or less stayed round by that level. Like I've never really got much better than that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, like I have other things to do. Like real life gets in the way and stuff. So Right. That's kind of what I found, especially this last, uh, I've been very busy with, with work and, you know, I felt like I was improving. I did some like nerd Twitter thread about this where I was talking about, you know, how 
depressing it is to like when you don't have time to so to actually work on chess but um yeah it, life does get in the way my first rating was 1703 actually it was 1730 and then i lost two games so it's 1703 is my first real fide rating like after a whole tournament so get dunked on nerd yeah i'm sorry that was really mean um well no, i'm talking about like scottish ratings my first fide rating was like over two thousand. Oh my god! Okay, why? Why do you have to brag? You don't have to brag. You don't have to like. You don't have but to little... it's still like I think I might be lower than my first rating. I think my first rating was like two thousand eighty-five and like two thousand sixty or something. Well, you're you're close to that. Uh, maybe maybe you'll become like a Swedish NM or something. That'd be pretty funny. It's yeah, like I need to. I don't play enough to have any real ambitions. Like I haven't played a tournament for two years. But could you get, years. let's say, like Peter? Heine Nielsen or Jan Gustafsson or Laurent Fresnay, you couldn't get them as like your second, you know, given, you know, your extensive uh, network. That'd be pretty funny if you got I'm, like some. I'm pretty sure that I could, but then like I have to play tournaments. Like, yeah. I don't think they're going to prepare me for like messing around on Lee Chess every evening. Um, I think they might insist that at some point I actually play a tournament. Like I haven't, I've played one in the last six years. Wow. <clears throat> so like, yeah, I just don't. I live kind of far away from everything, so that's my main excuse. That it's like I basically have to fly to play a rated game. Like there's no nowhere even within a two-hour drive or something. Um, Could you make like a Mister Dodgy over the board invitational, like in your little town in Sweden, and just get like all these like good like you know? Club yeah, players? that's that's one of the scams that I'm considering. Um, but then I think like I'm gonna have to organize the tournament as well, and like maybe I'll like scam myself into not actually being able to play because I'm too busy organizing. So like I need to I need to organize it and then just hand everything off to someone else <laughs> so they can they can like run the tournament and I can just play chess. But yeah, I mean I have I'm hoping to play some this year, but like I'd say that most years and most years it doesn't happen. So we'll see. So Mr. Dodgy is going to become a hashtag adult improver is what I think I'm hearing. I think I'm already something of an improver. Like I hit my best Lee Chess rating last week. Congrats. Week. Um, so I like, but like I just creep up over what the previous last rating was and then like, okay, well that's updated the date, you know, May 2022. I'm, I'm an adult improver. It's fine. <laughs> um, but I mean, like I, I do a lot of kind of chess work well not chess work but like i'm around chess all the time i read a lot of chess stuff I kind of messed around with openings and chessable and watch a lot of chess so i think i'm probably better than i was when i was playing actively but yeah like without playing you know 50 games a year it's very difficult to actually say i've improved <laughs> yeah now anish has another question he says uh why dodgy what were the alternatives considered? Mr. Shady, Mr. Meh, what else? Also, why not Dr. Dodgy to attract all the leeches good crowd? Now it's too late. I no, sorry, now it's too late. I have dibs on Dr. Dodgy. That's another good question from Anish. Um yeah, I was just I was making an account on ICC many years ago, and I thought Dodgy was a good name. I thought it was a good chess name because like it accurately describes the way I play. Um, I'm a pretty dodgy player. So I made that on ICC and, you know, I kind of liked it. So I made 
the same handle everywhere, except for I think it wasn't available on some probably chess24 and chess.com. So I had to change it to Mr. Dodgy because Dodgy was taken. Um, and then I used to just talk nonsense on chess24 during the live broadcasts. So, like, I got to know Jan and Peter and guys like that. And then when I created a Twitter account, I thought, well, I can make a Twitter account with my real name, but then no one's going to know who that is. So I'll just carry on using Mr. Dodgy. Um, so I did that. And yeah, now I'm trapped forever. Like I have work meetings all the time where people will introduce me as Mike. And then the person who I'm being introduced to is like, okay, then who are you? And they'll say, no, no, it's Mr. Dodgy. Go, okay. I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like even at work, I'm dodgy. Like my official work email is, well, I shouldn't say what it is, but <laughs> yeah, it's got, yeah, I should, definitely shouldn't read that. It but starts yeah, it with is. a D and ends with a Y. Yeah. Yeah. yeah put it that way. <laughs> um, the, uh, my, my, you were talking about, you need a new nemesis, right? My nemesis, Ben Johnson of a perpetual chess podcast. He asks, uh, he asks, yep, hate that questions. guy, hate that guy, despise him. Um, you know, uh, actually, the whole reason why I even made this podcast was so he would invite me as a hashtag adult improver. Once that happens, I'm quitting. Like once I'm on his podcast, that, that you know, I'm famous at that point. So I don't need this thing anymore. Um, he asked a couple of questions. Uh, I do want to get around to some others. So I'm sorry, uh, Ben Johnson. Uh, you know, you're the best. But um, I will ask this one. I'll ask two. First of all, do you have an alibi for the day when Anish was hacked? Uh, yeah, I was asleep. Well, there you have it. Um, so I, I I remember I woke up in the morning and like I wake up at like 6 a.m. or something and I always check my phone to see what's happening on Twitter. And obviously things had been happening on Twitter. Uh, so I immediately sent him. I actually, <laughs> yeah, this didn't come out during the hack stuff, but I sent him Anish quite a rude message um, on WhatsApp. And it was, there was some, I may have used a swear word, but it was like, you know, change your passwords <laughs> immediately <laughs> um so i don't know if he actually read it or if other people had already messaged him but wow it wasn't wasn't a great day <laughs> yeah no um the other thing that he asks is um well he asked like five questions but i'm gonna you know just ask this one uh what details can be revealed about the next mr dodgy invitational that is a very good question so i'm working on it at the moment I'm hoping to make an announcement this month. Um, and other than that, I can't really reveal too much information. We have big plans, uh, but we all have big plans that were supposed to be announced a couple of months ago and things have been delayed. Um, but I'm pretty optimistic that this will be the biggest Mr. Dodge Invitational ever. Can you reveal that there will be a wild card spot for a certain uh, chess podcaster who's um, sponsored by Chessable? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I get asked, like, I, I know, like, people ask me this all the time, and, you know, most people are joking, but not everyone is joking when they ask this. And I've had, like, messages from very strong players saying, you know, next time, why don't you ask me? <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. I, I'm not sure like how many people we're going to be inviting this year, but it could be significantly more. So you never know. What was your vision? Like, I know that when you started the Mr. Dodge Invitational, I remember the first one it was kind of a meme, but like, 
do you have like some like vision for where it's gonna go like because it's it's clearly like a, a mainstay chess 24 event now right for strong players like online events like do you have like some kind of vision about expanding it or is it just kind of like yeah at some point i need to organize this stupid thing um and you know you know is, is that like what well, basically like you know obviously it's your name right so like how, how do you actually like i guess i'm just wondering like where do you see this uh the, where do you see this turn like you see a mr dodgy invitational like an eighth edition like in five years from now uh <laughs> so when i first started it like in some ways i've very much managed my own expectations with it because like i don't think we should forget how ridiculous the whole thing is and like even though i had a lot of support from chess 24 and uh, chessable uh chessable particular for the second one but like mo for the first one it was just chess 24 who kind of supported with the the kind of tech side and like the organizational side because i you know i've never run a tournament before um but we shouldn't forget like genuinely i did this all just came from like me just posting nonsense on twitter like i'd and i didn't really expect it to go anywhere and then it was only when peter hein and nielsen i think peter hein and nielsen was the first one to sign up for it but peter swidler was also pretty early but like once those two guys got involved, then I was like, okay, well, there's like we can do something here. There, I don't know exactly what, but like, you know, these two guys are like legends of chess. And there's there's something we can do there. Um, and then I talked to Jan, and Jan thought, okay, yeah, this sounds like a fun idea. We can do this. And Jan was kind of the driving force at Chess 24 that like ensured that it actually happened. And like without Jan, it just didn't, it, there's no way we would have done it. Like there's, it just didn't happen without him. Um, but like having him on board kind of got the Chess 24 guys involved. And then after that, we got a niche. Eventually with like a lot of negotiation with <laughs> we managed to get a niche to play. And then, okay, then you have like a serious event because like a niche is just the gasoline that gets poured on this and, you know, it all took off from there. So like it was very kind of step by step, like, I was getting lucky kind of like it's completely random that Peter Hein and Nielsen just decided, yeah, okay, I'll definitely play in this. And then Jan, you know, getting on board and then Anisha agreeing to play without all of those random kind of elements, then we just don't get there. Um, and for the second time it was easier. And like, because we'd established it as like a real thing that, you know, very strong players are willing to be involved with. It was much easier. And then, once we were kind of planning the second one, like I realized that, okay, this is definitely, you know, a thing. So I'm less uh, pessimistic than I was before. Well, I'm not, I think the fairest way to say it is that I'm far more delusional than I was early on. And that like, I think this is going to go on for a very long time. Um, I definitely envision this going on for the next decade. Um, I envision it being kind of bigger particularly this year and hopefully next year as well and my kind of ambition is for it to be something comparable to why can't it like and i think that's fairly delusional like i'm not <laughs> i'm not completely ignorant of like how crazy that is but at the same time you know it's crazy that it even exists so like yeah that's where my ambition is is that you know this is going to be comparable with why can't see and that's a kind of testament to YKNZ because I think that is the perfect tournament. I like love YKNZ. Every yeah. single year they, they get the field right, the mixed field. It's always exciting. They 
it's just from for a from a chess viewer, from a chess fan, it is just flawless. Perfect. I completely agree. So you base and I mean I assume you want to keep it as an online tournament as well. So would you want it to be the equivalent of a online Vike basically? No. No. You wanted you want to have it uh you want to have Mr. Dodgy <laughs> invitational in person long term? Uh yeah. That's that's my ambition. Yeah. That's no I I I I didn't get I didn't understand that part. That's I that would be crazy. I mean you could ha- you could have it in your small town in Sweden even. We could. That could happen. That would be pretty cool. That will yeah, that would be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in general, I think, you know, having um, more Vikonstay uh, caliber tournaments is a good thing in chess. So, yeah. I mean, I tried to hold an invitational podcast. Um, sorry, I tried to hold an invitational tournament, 64 podcasts invitational. May or may not have been taking cues from a certain someone. No one signed up. Um, I had been, you know, advertising it for about two weeks and no one signed up. So except for me. So I am the first winner of the 64 podcast invitational, which, you know, is a testament to my skill as a chess player, honestly. Well done. That's yeah. I mean, you've got it. You can only beat the people who are in front of you. Exactly. So yeah, that's pretty good. But yeah, it's, it's very, it's difficult to do to organize these things, but also like, if you don't try, then you definitely won't be able to do it. So like it, it, it takes a tremendous amount of luck. I'm not, I'm not delusional about that part in the slightest. Like there's a lot of kind of moving parts and there's a lot of kind of right person at the right time uh, elements. But like, yeah, there's a lot of these things that I've managed to do. You know, you just try it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like you don't, in general, you don't lose anything from trying stuff. So yeah, that's my advice for most people. Just organize separate tournaments, see what happens. (laughs) I think you also you like the most successful people in chess are a little delusional. I mean, historically have been you know you could you could argue they've been insane, but you need to be at least a little like you know you need to be a, a little delusional in chess to be to be successful with anything. So I wouldn't call your I mean I I wouldn't frame your delusion as a bad thing. You know it's a, it's a motivator. Gets, yeah, gets I mean better. it's it's always good to be a little bit too optimistic rather than being a little bit too pessimistic. Right. And, um. Yeah, I've certainly learned that being more being more optimistic about these things is how they they happen like we've had this year's been a little bit tougher to organize but we i'm still pretty optimistic that this will be bigger and also like the previous two i've only organized them in the space of like we've been talking weeks you know right it's been like two or three weeks preparation to get everything ready Whereas this time we're definitely talking in the form of months. Um, and this year will yeah. be online. Maybe. Maybe. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm excited. I'm actually really excited now. Because I remember watching the streams for for Mr. Dodgy Invitational One and Two. Those are very exciting. Yeah, stories. I mean, like there's there's more stuff we can do with kind of in-person events and uh, yeah, like we're still in the planning stages and still kind of in discussions, but just just in a, as an example, like one of the things that I would like to do, whether it happens this year or not, is like run an open alongside the Invitational because then everyone can take part in some way. Um, and I think that would be like a huge benefit to having it in person, you know, because like everybody's going to be playing alongside an Asian and the other guys and i think that's to me that's the next step but we'll see if, if we can make that happen this year 
I will ask a few more questions. Um, first of all, this comes from um, at sharp underscore warrior Hashem. He says, uh, what is the deal with all the potatoes? Yeah. Um, I just kind of, I mean, I do like potatoes. Don't get me wrong. Like they're the perfect food. Uh, I thought it would be funny to be like an influencer for a product that just, there are no influencers for. And then like, I just randomly picked potatoes. Like I thought, I thought it'd be funny. And it is. <laughs> there you go. Heard it here first, guys. Um, I should have introduced you as a potato influencer then, because yeah, so yeah so. definitely that's my main main role at the moment. <laughs> right, I see. Um, I'll ask uh, one more question. This comes from at Charlie Chess Cat, who I believe is Simon Williams' cat. Um, I'm not sure, but I, it's a very cute cat. It says, uh, "Yeah, it looks like it's Simon Williams' cat." Shout out to GM Simon Williams. Um, <clears throat> question for Mr. Dodgy: What is your favorite food? Smiling cat emoji. Uh, potatoes. Potatoes. Yeah, well, there you have it. I was it. really hoping you were going to ask me, how does the horse move? Because that was the only question I prepared an answer for. Oh, well, you prepared an answer for that. See, I didn't know. I th I thought, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, running, uh, you know, chess memes into the ground with how they're overdone. I feel like every person has been asked this question, how the horse he moves, like since that that fateful Botez moment. Um, okay, I mean, I'll ask it. I'll very happily ask it. Um if you prepared an answer. So, um, at John Brazel asks, how does the horsey move asking for a friend? Hashtag chess punks. Yeah. So when Magnus got asked this question, uh, at the world championship, uh, oh. my, me and one of my dear, dear friends, Grandmaster Miro, were very disappointed in the answer because the correct answer is, the knight may move to one of the squares nearest to that on which it stands, but not on the same rank, file, or diagonal. <laughs> which is like, that's the official answer, and it's so much better than in an L shape. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I mean, if Magnus said that, then you would think, that, okay, he's been replaced by a robot. Like, that's just like, which, I mean, honestly, given how he plays sometimes, like, you know. Yeah, I really, I really hoped he would answer like that. Because I've never heard it being described like this. Like Miro told me, and it's such a good answer. It's hilarious. Actually, there is one more question I want. I have to ask. It's from my very dear friend uh, Lula, the streamer. Shout out Lula! I played two games on Lula's stream yesterday, by the way. Uh, at Lula Robs asks, "What are Mister Dodgy's plans to drive more men out of chess? We want to see action." <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a joke I've made a few times about. Like, I can't make more women play chess. I think, obviously, there's a participation gap in chess. And I don't think there's very much I can do to get women to play chess. But I think, it, like, I could do a pretty good job of driving some men out and, like, reaching the balance there. Um, <laughs> but it is a kind of serious point as well. Obviously, it's a joke. I don't want to drive anybody out of chess. Like, but there are men in chess who behave unacceptably towards women. And in general, the chess world is not great at confronting that behavior. And there are never any consequences. Like there's never been any consequences for any sexist incident or incident involving women in chess. Nothing ever happens. It just doesn't. 
so like I think there is things that can be done probably not by me because you know I don't really play chess that often <laughs> so, but I think we need to be a little bit more aggressive with men who behave in this manner and even when it's fairly minor stuff like these things add up and I think that it's the minor comments and like mine kind of fairly things that might be fairly trivial or kind of where it should be stamped out a little bit. Um, I talked to uh, woman I am Luciana uh, Morales. She works at Chessable and I, I did an interview with her a few weeks ago and we, we discussed this topic and we were talking about, like, I think I can't remember exactly what the, the incident was. She referred to but i think it was something about like there was a, a tournament where there was maybe like one or two women playing and like i don't know 200 men some some kind of ratio like that and the men decided that like they should be able to use the women's bathroom as well because it's like 200 of them and they didn't want cues so like there was no women's bathroom and so but like there was another women's bathroom but it was further away something like that so you know like the two women had to walk like much further away to the bathroom and like what she said is like obviously no one's gonna make a big deal out of that. Like it's a fairly minor inconvenience. Uh, it's never gonna go into the newspaper. The media is never gonna report on it. You know, it's just not that big. But she said she made a really good analogy that I've repeated a few times because it's like it just it's such a perfect analogy and it just is it involves chess. And she was saying that like things like that are like when you have a position and you get a slight uh, disadvantage. And like, it's not a, you know, you've got double pawns or whatever, but, but that's not going to lose you the game. But over time, those minor disadvantages build up into a significant disadvantage and then you lose the game. And it's all those little things that add up together that create like serious problems for women. And like the, the I think the end problem is that like, they just stop playing chess, like, because they're just not having a good time. Um, It's an uncomfortable atmosphere for them. And that's, very sad. So yeah, and it's a joke. It's a joke question, and it's a joke that I've made. But like, it's there is a fairly fairly serious point behind it. Is that you know, chess does have a problem in this area, and it's. I don't know what the real answer is because I'm not that smart. <laughs> but yeah, it's an issue. Hundred percent. Now, um, I do want to move to the final thing I wanted to talk about, which is actually about chess podcasting. Because um, one thing that I was actually wondering is, have you ever, you know, I, I've seen you have a Substack now. Seems like you you work pretty, pretty hard on you know your tournaments and chessable affairs and you know representing the brand and whatnot. Aside from all your Twitter shit posting, um, I wanted to ask you though, um, have you ever considered making a chess podcast? Um, not really. Like I've. You better watch. Be real careful what you say right now. <laughs> I can end this call in a second. <laughs> I mean, I do stream kind of semi-regularly. Am I? I'm. I'm very proud of the fact that I stream almost every month, which is. I my subscribers are not too happy about that, but yeah, like I'm semi-regular. So like when I have things to say, like I feel like that's a decent platform to do it on. Um. And I have a, obviously I have opinions on everything, uh, but it's not like I am better at writing than I am talking, and I'm better 
uh, like short form writing in particular. Like I'm much better writing tweets than I am writing kind of longer material. Uh, so I'm aware of like where my strengths lie. So it's not something that I'm that interested in. But I am also working quite closely with the Chicken Chess Club podcast. And yeah. that's a new those, podcast. Those guys like to talk. So they also <laughs> they, they copied my everything. I mean, you know, the talking about chess culture from the inside. You know, I see you guys, you know, I, I see what you did. I was the original. It's understand. I was the very first chess podcast, as everybody knows. I was actually one of the first podcasters, actually. Um, you know, I've been doing this for so long. Uh, you just you can't find my old episodes because I deleted them all. Um, but, you know, I've been doing this since like 2001. Since I was a baby, you know, talking about chess and Kasparov and all that. So, you know, I, I see what's happening and uh, I've paid close attention. I've listened to the episodes. I see what you guys are doing. And uh, I'll just say I'm, you know, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. So you won't be having those guys on your podcast then? I will very happily have all of them on my podcast uh, when literally whenever <laughs> they want to come. Because, why? Because after all, I am corporate chill for Chessville, and this is how we roll here. You know, we do anything for a quick dollar. Um, and uh, no, I mean, in all seriousness, like, uh, you know, I would love to have any of them on the on the podcast. I'm big fans of all of them. Um, Lauren Fresnay, I don't know as well, honestly. Like, I'm not as familiar. I know him from the two week, two slow video, but like, I know he's a second for Magnus, but like, I don't. To my knowledge, he's just, he's not quite the same uh, presence as like Jan or Peter. Yeah, he's definitely the worst of the three. That's what I would say. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> if people are saying it, I mean, I didn't say it. Um, yeah, but I may I I've, uh, I may have hopefully may have Peter on my show. Stay tuned for that. You know, I'm in Denmark, um, so that, I think that'd be really special to talk about Danish chess with him and you know stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, in general, you know, more podcasts, the better, right? Yeah, that seems to be the way of it at the moment. There seems to be a lot more chess podcasts than, than I realized there was, <laughs> to be honest. It's been like, um, especially over the last three months, though, there's just been some explosion of new podcasts, like the third wave. So, you no, know, the chess boom is over, but the chess podcast boom is only beginning. Yeah. And I think like the, yeah, it's just until the next chess boom starts, like, we, we can say it's over, but will the chess boom be over in India in July? I don't think so. Like, will, if India win the Olympiad in India, do you think this, like, in terms of pure numbers of, like, people watching stuff, uh, news articles, you know, uh, social media impressions, that will outstrip anything that's happened already, like... Because you can see the the interactions that the Indian juniors are getting when the like when Pragnananda beat Magnus, and he's getting you know meeting with the prime minister and yeah, you know, for like a rapid game online. Tendulkar was like tweeting about him and stuff like this. Crazy. So like, yeah, like this that kind of thing is just incredible, and you know we could be two months away from a much bigger chess <laughs> For the Olympiad, are you rooting for Scotland or for Sweden or for no one or for everyone? I'm actively rooting against the. Oh, because they didn't take. <laughs> they didn't take you right. I mean, I, I am a patriot, and obviously, in principle, I support Scotland. Uh, so maybe I'll reserve my my support for the Scotland Scottish women's team. Um, but yeah, the the Scotland team didn't pick me again. I think they 
the excuse that they use is that I'm too low red and you know bad at chess. But I don't I feel that's kind of pretty discriminatory. And like I have more Twitter followers than I don't know, the rest of the team combined, probably. And Jacob Ogard keeps pretending he doesn't know who I am, which is funny, but I don't appreciate it. <laughs> is he the is he the chair of the Scottish uh... I think he's on the selection committee? Boo. I did, I, the last time he said it, I did think of saying, Jacob, in 2003, I sat next to you during a chess game. I think we might have been back to back, but like I was pretty close to him and he's pretending he doesn't remember that. <laughs> what a nerd. How dare he? The nerd. Yeah, so I mean, in long, in going back to like chess ambitions, I would actually like to play an Olympiad at some point, but. I have to, you know, play some chess. Yeah, I'd love to play for the American team personally. I mean, if they'd have me, you know, I'm 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 almost at that level. So, you know, I, I it's it's a little tough because you know, like ever since Aronian came, I'm like maybe fifth or sixth. But mm-hmm. I'm hoping that if I have a couple of good results, that you know, maybe that they'll they'll take a better look at me. Yeah, and I mean, I think that if they had like a qualification tournament, you know, then you would have a fair I'd have chance. A reasonable shot. Yeah, I would have. I have a very. It's actually funny because I think I'm, I don't actually know how to do this. Maybe I have to ask like someone else. I don't know who to even ask, but like I'm actually, I think officially a Danish player uh, under FIDE rules. And I'm not sure, like, do I have to pay money to like switch to America? Like, I don't even know how this works. Like, I'm not, I'm not Levon Aronian. Like, I'm, I was kidding. Yeah, I think there's a rating limit where you have to pay. Like, if you're over like 2,700, you have to pay like five grand or something. But I think like for lower rated players, it's either, free or like pretty cheap but i'm not sure on the other hand if i keep the danish rating i have a better chance of making the olympiad team not by much but you know there's like 100 200 elo there between america so you know practically speaking no it's a decent try and then like if you just keep moving to smaller and smaller countries then that's the way some people get into the olympiad (laughs) well i saw if i if i move to uh eswatini formerly known as Swaziland, I would be board one if I moved there and joined the Chess Federation. I mean, I don't know if they would field the team, but, uh, you know, like I said, my podcast has the in the billions of listeners. So I think, you know, we can maybe get some crowdfunding. Yeah, that I, that's what my angle is as well. I'm hoping that someone will just ask me to play just purely based on Twitter interactions. And this is like, they'll get them more attention. Um, I wanted to be Andorra's biggest influencer at some point but that didn't work out no um it's funny we were talking about Lula playing for jersey as well because in the jersey man's team there's a guy who used to play for the same club as me in scotland and he's rated about 1800 and obviously he wouldn't make the scottish team as well but he gets to play for the jersey olympia team (laughs) so So i guess now you gotta move you gotta move to jersey maybe and get revenge yeah it would be funny I'm not like I need a country that w- is willing to um to let me play without having any like ties to that country because I'm not going to move. Unfortunately, Sweden has some grandmasters like yeah, like Pia Kramling and Ulf Anderson and you know etc. Yeah, and Niels Grandelius is pretty good as well. Yeah, but the, the Scottish team like most of the grandmasters have retired at this point, so like. I think they're doing their part to help me out. Um, 
but I just need to like convince the selection committee. <laughs> well, I mean, at this point, I think are are the teams already like decided now for the Olympiad? Like, is your is it, do you still have a shot? Like, of... yeah, they've already picked their team. That's disgusting. That's yeah. disgraceful. Well, they have picked one player who's lower rated than me, um, but he's very young. So I think like he's like 11 years old and something in 2000. He was around about 2000. So like I think they're going with, you know, there might be some potential there that he could be a very strong player, which I think is unfair. But... You know what you what can, can you do, do for the Mr. Dodger Invitational? You take that 11-year-old, you challenge him. You say the winner plays for this board four. The loser is banned from the Scottish Federation forever. Yeah, I think he would beat me, though. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like I don't like my chances against him. He looks I've seen some of his games. Um he looks pretty strong. So. Yeah. Which I mean is good that there's some some strong Scottish players coming through. It's not necessarily been the case for a while, but I guess the the, the final question I wanted to just uh kind of touch upon briefly is like um what what do you think about um like the chess world in 2022? Like like what's your your overall take? You've been involved in chess. For a pretty long time, like you know, hanging around, like you mentioned, hanging around at Chess Twenty Four. Now you're working with Chessable. Like, like, what do you think are some good things that the chess world has been doing, like in the last few years? That is a a very long question. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I. Do. I mean, I think in general the the chess world is in a pretty good place. Um, I think having like the chess world in general for the last decade or so has been fairly stable because. Well, not, not because of, but partly because we've had a very marketable world champion who, you know, Magnus has a reach outside of chess. You know, he's been on Simpsons, he's been modeling, he's been, I think he was in an episode of Star Trek at some point as well. Like that kind of, and the alongside that, the world championship cycle has been fairly consistent. You know, we have a match every two years. Everybody knows what's happening. There's been some little blips with the candidates and candidates qualification. But I think like if we're going to spend a whole year arguing about the rating spot for the candidates, then there's not so big problem. So many big problems going on there. Um, I think it's a positive thing that chess is moving more and more onto the internet. Um, and I think... Chess 24's uh, Champions Chester, the Meltwater Champions Chester, has been a kind of a huge step forward into like the professionalization of online chess. And with the the kind of esports angle of that, I think there's something there that could be like genuinely very big. I, agree. I think the 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 studio in Oslo, when they've had the players playing from the studio, has just looked incredible. And like I think in general, chess looks very good visually. Um, I think over the board tournaments look very nice, but like this esports kind of side of it is something new, and it just I think it looks excellent. Um, I don't want to just praise Chess Twenty Four. I think Chess.com is also been the kind of driving force behind the kind of chess boom and the kind of uh, professionalization of chess. I think their new verified system is. A very good idea. I actually, I intended on playing in their whatever it is world championship, global championship thing, because uh, I think it's ten minute games, and that's like my my favorite time control. Um, but I haven't actually played in it. But like making it 
accessible and like difficult to cheat at is a really good thing. And I've saw I've seen people complaining that you know they're charging fifteen dollars and like I think this is incredibly cheap. <laughs> like <laughs> if they've offered if you offer me like 10 minute games where I can play against verified opponents that are you know there's a pretty decent chance they're gonna be unable to cheat or you know they can cheat once under that identity and then they get banned. I would pay much more than $15. Like <laughs> I would happily pay like a couple of hundred dollars a year. No problem. Um, so I think that's a really good initiative. I hope it, I hope it kind of works out. I don't know what the numbers are for them, their, their tournaments yet, but I, I would like to play in some of those events because they look pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, actually I talked about this in my last podcast with Trim, my friend who works for just like where do like, where do people think the money for this like world championship prize is going to come from like from thin air? Like, it's just like any tournament. Like, why you you pay like, you pay money to, if you play over the board tournaments. Basically, it's the same thing. Like to verify yeah. like that you're in a tournament, that you're a person that's gonna show up and like, um, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a great idea. Uh, I myself, I have not even verified my account yet, just because I've not had time. But I may actually finally go in. And you know, like I said, just like with um, just like with the American Olympiad team next year, like I think I have a very good shot of winning the whole thing. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> You know, we'll see. Uh, but I mean, like, I think those those kind of tournaments are cool because, like, there's a decent chance you'll get to play someone very strong, and that's always like an enjoyable experience. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's a great initiative, and it's just yeah, chess players don't like to spend money in general, so like, <laughs> it's kind of like, um, but it's it's a very very good idea. I I, I do want to play in some of these tournaments just to see kind of how many people are playing and like how good they are. But like, I love that pace of chess online like i play 10 minute games on lee chess like almost all of the time um and the, also in the kind of last 10 years lee chess has appeared as well which lee chess is like probably the best thing to happen to chess um because it forces everyone else to provide good products good, good internet products uh like reasonably well i mean everything they do is free so like you need to compete with that <laughs> And it's also so smooth for being free. It's like ridiculous how 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 responsive the website is, how lightweight it kind of feels like when you actually play. I talk, also I talked about in my last podcast. I just find it so remarkable that like chess is still very much like it's one of like the only things left on the internet that is very much like, you know, not to be like a crypto bro, but like it's like very much like web too. Like like I'm sure you need to hire like CSS developers and like HTML people to like like write code for like these websites. So I just think it's hilarious because I I feel like where else are like people doing that now aside from just like creating like websites for shops and stuff. And they're like literally creating infrastructure that supports like tens of millions of people playing chess every month. Like lead mm -hmm. chess, chess.com, all of these like chess 24. Like I, I just find that hilarious. Like not like it's just I don't know. You think about like you, you mentioned the esports vibe like Imagine if like chess.com was like something you logged into like on Steam and you got like VAC banned like for <laughs> I don't know. Like that would just be like incredibly funny to me. Like I can't imagine that, but like with chess is like, yeah, this is how it should be, I guess. Yeah, and I like I think like Lee Chess just works. It's just smooth, it's free. I mean, like you can donate and I do donate and other people should donate because it's just yeah, like I think chip. Lee Chess benefits the other chess sites as well massively because it's just so accessible and so easy for kind of new people to get into chess. And like, there's just like, here's a place you can go and play chess. Like, 
And if you want to do other stuff, you want to learn, you want to study, you know, there's other places you can go. But like, you could just play chess here, and that's great. Um, and obviously, I'll get sacked if I don't mention Chessable is one of the main, the most positive things that's happened over the last several years. Um, but like, I think Chessable has kind of revolutionized the way that people, but definitely chess learning, but. And that's like a huge part of it, but also the professionalization of chess in that people can make money from chess. And I mean, specifically like authors. Um, I think some of the chessable authors, like at this point, they don't do anything else. They're just like full-time chessable authors and they make a very good living from that. And well, I mean, you can kind of see that by the fact that like 2,700 players are like, okay, I need to make my third chessable course my third repertoire whereas like okay they must have made pretty good money off the first two because you know these 2700 guys do make good money from tournaments um but also that does go down to like kind of lower rated players kind of international masters and lower rated grandmasters but also like the community members who can publish your own courses like there's no there's no other place where like a 2000 rated chess player can write material and monetize it in a, a reasonable way. Um, I'm actually writing my own course right now. It's funny you mentioned 2,000 rated players. <laughs> I'm actually writing. I'm I'm writing a course right now. It's not like an opening course or anything like that. It's it's. I don't want to spoil it too much, but uh, if you ever catch me on 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 uh, Lula's streams, um, it's it's basically what I've done once. I'm doing it again this Sunday on her stream. It's like Grandmaster opening blunders. So that's basically what it is going to be. Uh, you can get a taste of it, like if you check out Lula's streams, uh, Twitch.tv slash Lula Robs. I'm there not once in a blue moon, but like, but that's going to be. I'm I'm actually working very hard on a chessable course. I'm going to try to actually submit it like in the summer and then get like geared and all the GMs to laugh at how horrible I am at the game. And you know we'll see what happens. But I think I think uh, you know that's something that I've kind of thought has been really really fun for me to do, put like an hour into every every like week or so. So I've been having a lot of fun with that. It's like a really like a side project that I haven't really talked much about, but it's been fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a good experience. I mean, I've, I've also published chessable courses before. Before I actually worked at Chessable, I, I published some courses there and that was like a lot of fun for me. And yeah, like the, it, it just like having, making it easy for people to publish their work and, and sell it is like a very new thing in the chess world because like if you wanted to if like me or you wanted to publish a chess book like we're basically like the publishing companies i'm not going to do it like realistically new in chess or, or someone or quality chess or whatever are not going to publish a book by us unless it's you know we are very well connected um so and we can just do it there. And like, obviously there's a lot of work that goes into that and there's a lot of quality checks and, you know, the, the chessable content team works tremendously hard to like take, take kind of draft material that may, might not be ready to be published and like turn it into something that is good. But yeah, a lot of the community courses on there are like very, very high quality. That's true. Um, yeah, and you know, if you want to learn more about Chessable, chessable.com slash 64 podcast, you know, I am sponsored by Chessable and, and by Magnus Carlson himself. Um, you know, he actually owns me as a person. Um, so if you want to uh, check us out, uh, chessable.com slash 64 podcast. Um, I think also the links chessable.com slash 64 pod works as well. As well. So 
So um, check that out, guys, uh, and uh, stay tuned. You know, if you click there, I think you'll see some of my favorite adjustable courses that I've been using for a few years. Haven't finished them because, you know, I'm lazy. I don't know how to work hard on chess at all. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's it for me, Mr. Daji. But I want to thank you so much for, for coming on the show. This is, uh, like I said, like two weeks ago, this was a dream interview. Um, so I'm glad we did it. Hope you enjoyed. Um, always welcome back. If you ever want to come back and uh, invite me to, you know, podcaster, chessable podcaster, invitational, maybe, you know, if the option is there, you know, I'll be like one of these, like, you know, title players just saying, oh, please put in your tournament. Please, please, bro. Please, please. So, yeah, I mean, I think like a podcaster invitational would be fun, but I think like Jan and Peter and Laurent have kind of, no, they're going to be if, tough to beat at this play, point now. <laughs> if they don't play and you make it like five plus zero, I'd wipe the floor with basically everybody. Like, I mean, if, if the, there are it some sounds like a direct, teams, a direct challenge to Ben Johnson. And... I tried to organize this in November, actually. I tried to organize it with him and then with my friends at the, the Chess Pit podcast, like, but no one really wanted. Now there's some other people, like, there's like the Chess Experience, Chess Journeys, which I was just on. Uh, there's a bunch of others, chicken chess, whatever those nerds, tryhards, like whatever, you know, okay, we get it. You, you, you worked, you, you worked on a world championship team. Like, that's great. Like, I'm, I'm happy for you, but like, come on, like, you don't just, you don't, you don't just like say, I'm going to start a podcast. Like, you gotta like, actually like, you know, gotta be a pro, you know, that, and, yeah. and yeah. But they, they're, they've got off to a good start. I think they're. We'll see what happens over the next few months with them when they start to like actually have to work. Um, <laughs> because, you know, like apparently they're all professional chess people. So we'll see if they can keep it up. You know, when the tournaments start and people are busy, I don't know if they're going to be able to stick to the schedule of weekly podcasts they've got. Who in knows? Words, yeah. In other words, they're not the, uh, they're not the Ali Reza of chess podcasters. No, that would definitely be um, chess fields, I think. How is it not me? <laughs> For all this time. Well, shout out to JJ and Julia, but, but no. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for thanks for coming on the show. This was great. Thanks very much. Cheers. Yeah.